music box inside my mind Playing music all of the time Automatically winds itself Music inside my head Songs of laughter, songs of tears Songs that sometimes grip my fears Songs that make the whole world sing Songs are for you and me I watch a lot of documentaries, and a few years ago, I watched one on Netflix called The Guy in That Thing, and it's an interesting documentary. It features 16 male character actors, and uh, it, the people whose names that you do not recognize, but faces you've seen in in a lot of different television shows. If, if you watch TV, you'll have recognized these guys, and you're like, I know who that is. And uh, when I met Rico Anderson at a party in L.A., he had mentioned that he is an actor, he's a working actor, and he's, you know, made appearances in a number of shows, and that was one of the first things that popped out of my mouth. I didn't know the title, but the documentary, and of course he was familiar with it. And, uh, you know, that started our conversation and uh, it continued, and I thought, "Wow, you know, hey, do you want to you want to be on the podcast? We can we can talk some more." And it's an amazing conversation, and I love. He's very inquisitive, and it's it's amazing. You know, he asked a lot of questions. I talked about some projects, kind of picked his brain a little bit. So, a lot of fun. And he offers an insight into the world uh, of an actor that's in Los Angeles, and you know, he's on the big stage, and he's doing some cool things, and he's worked with some interesting people, so it's it's a very compelling conversation, and I'm glad you're here to listen to it. The music that you had heard, of course, is another great Ben Sturgill tune. It's a music box. It's off his music box album, and the theme of it is artists, these artists that are branching out that have something to say, and that's very much Ben, and, and that's Rico. In his his own way, in his, you know, the music box song refers to music, and that's the theme, but really it's these artists that are kind of, you know, caught up, it's, it's in this energy, and it's, you know, Ben, ben had this vision, and he's very much a, a visionary, and he puts it out in his music, and perfect time now, holiday season, uh, jump on iTunes or uh, reach out, you can find him at bensturgill.com. Pick up the Music Box album. It's a make a great Christmas present. Amazing album. All kinds of different sounds on there. Very eclectic. I, I just absolutely love it. You can also listen to his podcast episode here on uh, either on our iTunes site or on our Google Play, SoundCloud. You can go to my website, KenCalcaterra.com, and uh, I have the episodes listed there as well. But Rico, he's doing a lot of cool things. In fact, he'll be hosting the Short Film Awards in New York City on December 11th. And on December 15th on Fox, he'll be appearing in an episode of Rosewood. You can check your local listings or DVR that. Uh, He's been on, uh, there's another show that he was telling me about, he talks about in this episode, Young and Hungry. You can find that on Netflix. And He's in season two, episode eight. It's called uh, the titles Young and Sandwich. It's a cool thing this show does in there in the titles of each episode. They uh, they put young and whatever the theme is for that particular episode. So really clever with that. And uh, that show features Rex Lee, who some of you, if you've watched Entourage on HBO, he uh, he plays Lloyd, who is a uh, Ari Gold, uh, Jeremy Piven's character, his assistant. So. I've always loved that show, and I thought Rex Lee was really good. And, and Rico had, uh, in some, some messages when we were talking uh, back and forth, just wanted to get prepared for this intro. He had uh, he had told me that Young and Hungry was 
you know, just the most fun he's had on a set, and the cast was great. Um, Haley Joel Osment's sister is uh, is the lead in that, and so yeah, he just he just loved that experience. Spent a week with those folks, and uh, just just had a blast. He also talks about how his dream role is to be in Star Trek as as a member of a Star Trek crew. He was fortunate to play. Uh, he played a villain, and um. A pilot for a show it wasn't picked up but it is on netflix so i've listed that in the show description called star trek renegades kind of a hybrid of a star wars star trek so it has more of a grittier feel uh than you know typical star trek series so that's pretty cool and he just you know he's he's learned a lot over the years from very you know directing actors in a theater and the the different people he's worked with so he shares that knowledge and really interesting guy really high energy such a pleasure to have had a conversation with him. Rico grew up in Chicago, and uh, when he was young, he moved to San Francisco. That's where he began the theater. And uh, I want to give a shout-out and a special thanks to my good friend Christy Holman, who is a, a great supporter of the show, as well as supporter of the work of our good friend Kevin Blumenkamp. And Kevin, as you've heard me talk before, is just a, a master jeweler. He can create uh, pretty much anything with metal that you'd ever want. Maybe something original for like an original sci-fi, as Rico's a big fan of that. So thank you to Kevin. There's a Facebook link on the show description. I'm also going to, on the Conversations with Calcaterra Facebook page, put some images of some of his work so you can see that. So just, you know, totally believe in the guy. He does amazing work, and I would love you to see it, and hopefully commission him to uh, create something for you. Here he is, Rico Anderson, a name you may not know, but a conversation you'll never forget. Well, we are here with uh, Rico Anderson, episode of Conversations with Calcaterra. We're recording in uh, the living room of the Airbnb that I'm staying in in Echo Park. So, yeah, little echo in this room, but, uh, but you can hear us well. Rico, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. It was uh, we met at uh, was that a charity event that we met at? Uh, I believe it was the charity event slash um, art art, art art gallery opening. Yeah, and uh, it with with a with a certain focus, a, a theme. It, it um, so yeah, yeah. It was kind of like three three things in one. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So my my our mutual friend Tyrone Tan, he invited me out, and he was uh, he does a lot of these red carpet type things and event openings and a lot of charitable events. So cool. I met you there, and uh, and here we are now. We had a great conversation. Definitely. So yeah, we're <laughs> now I wanted to record it, and that, and that's the thing, audience. You know this, and Enrico, for to fill you in, it's uh yeah, I'm I have the honor to meet so many great people, and it's nice to introduce them to the world. I appreciate you so being you just, part of it. Yeah, my my yeah. pleasure. So you came uh, you came here from an audition. Is that something you can talk about? Is it a secret thing? Is yeah, it, it was a voiceover audition, okay. and um, I I'm with I'm with a voiceover agency where, <clears throat> excuse me, where I usually don't know what the audition is uh, but, uh, until I get there because it's, um, it's usually some copy, uh, voiceover copy that you get, usually like a, a page, if not half a page. And they give us as much time as that we need to go over it. But then, you know, and then we go in the studio, we lay the track and hopefully we get the part. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. One of the big things we had talked about is, and you had uh, give yourself the title of working actor, which is you know, a lot of people look at acting and they see yeah. like all the big stars, Leonardo DiCaprio, these guys, mm-hmm. and they see that's that's what it is. And, and that's a good place to shoot for. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people don't realize that there are people out there that are that 
making a living that are blessed to make a living doing what they love. Well, the majority, I would say the majority of actors in, I I don't even know if it's fair to say just Los Angeles, but in general, um, that, that are working aren't at the Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, what have you stage. Um, yeah. Hey, look, it's always great to want to be in that, in that department, but to have the title of a working actor, to be able to uh, make a living off that, to be able to to have the relationships with the casting directors and the producers where you know that you're being called in because they've seen your work and they know your work. And sometimes you're going into producer sessions, which means that you go past the audition stage. And in essence, you're going straight into the callback. And so it, it's 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 nice to be in that department because what it does is it puts you more on their radar. And if you're doing the right thing when you go into the audition, you're working a lot. So, and uh, I've been one of the people here that I, I can say that I've been very blessed to be a part of that. Um, that that um, I don't even want to call it a club, but you know, just to, just to be able to uh, be a working actor. And then it, it it's in no way, shape, or form saying that. The struggle's still not there and the hustle's still not there because trust me, the hustle is still there. <laughs> I'm in the trenches with everybody else yeah, just yeah. as much. But, you know, just certain people have their their various statuses in terms of what they have accomplished and all that jazz. Yeah, and there's a great documentary on it. What was and I always forget the title, but I watched it on Netflix. Uh, that guy who was in that thing. Is yeah. that is that the, the I, I think that's the one yeah to, yeah to look that up but that was really cool to see just the process of, of guys that are because a lot of times people will see somebody on screen and they're thinking like all right that guy's making a million bucks when it's not always the case no, no, no. <laughs> I, probably, listen, listen there, there, there are people who still audition I mean who who have had TV shows who have had um, major success in a film or or whatever medium that they became successful in. I mean, the the the, the that part hardly ever goes away, and it's I think it's part of the myth that people think is part of the Leo DiCaprio stage and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, very cool. So, what are some of the what are some of the roles that you played, or some shows you've been on that have just been a lot of fun, that really memorable, that that you'd like to talk about? Well, a lot. <laughs> it's it's almost fair to say all of them, but I do have some personal favorites. Um, I was in a Star Trek pilot that I uh, that I did, and uh, that that was memorable. More so, uh, well, I'm I'm a geek. So I love the hell out of some Star Trek. I love I love all things sci-fi. So, but Star Trek is like probably my personal favorite and I was blessed enough to be actually be able to be a part of the Star Trek universe and I played one of the bad guys in this pilot called Star Trek Renegades. And what was great about that was, well, A, I was in it, but B, I was in it because I pursued it and I, I got it. And the gamble that I that I that I took along the journey of doing it actually paid off. So it made it that much more meatier, that much more spicier, that much more fulfilling. And it 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 solidified that whole thing of if you want something, go get it. Never give up. Take risks, take chances. And 
hey man, roll the dice and see what happens. So what what was the process there? You said you pursued it. So you knew this role was there. Were you talking to producers, casting directors? How were you putting yourself out there to put yourself in a place to get that role? Well, there was there is a, a production company um, that was uh, 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 putting it out, and it was it it's it's from the production company that produced another Star Trek. Um, feature called of gods and men and this new project star trek renegades starred walter koenig who was Chekhov from the original series oh right on yeah and it also starred actually when you look at the list it it, 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 there's this humongous who's who of actors from various sci-fi franchises um so you have um you have tim russ who played Tuvok in Star Trek Voyager. He's in it. He's also directing it. Walter Koenig from the original series, Chekhov. He's in it. He's basically the star of it. Um, You have Edward Furlong, John Connor from Terminator 2, who's in it. Robert Picardo from Star Trek Voyager. Sean Young from the Blade Runner series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Adrian Wilkinson, who was another one of the main stars of it, who was from the Xena series. I mean, you have all these actors from all these various sci-fi franchises. Bam, right in this. So I I found out about it, and I... I, I knew Tim. I had met Tim Russ before. I had seen him play. He, he's in a band. So I, I've seen him play at various locations and stuff like that. And I've seen him at conventions. And, and he's a really nice guy. Very warm, open guy. He talks to you. Not standoffish at all. Um, so I found out about it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I need to find a way to get into contact with Tim. So uh, long story short on that, I, I hit up a friend of mine who knew Tim and I didn't know if Tim would, would remember me because obviously being in Star Trek or any huge mm-hmm. franchise, yeah. you're going to meet a ton of people on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And yeah, of course. You, can't, you know, you can't remember everybody. So um, I hit up my friend and I asked him, hey, listen, um, uh, I, I hear there's going to be a new Star Trek out and, and I, would, I, I want in. I want to be a part of it. And uh, he was like, well, let me see what I can do about getting, uh, getting your information over to him. So lo and behold, he calls me back and he's like, here's Tim's number. Give him a call. He's expecting your phone call. That kind of stuff just doesn't happen in, well, Hollywood in general, but amongst people who, in a lot of cases, should be very private because of their status, in, especially like in a franchise like Star mm-hmm. Trek. But Tim remembered me. So um, I called him up and it was a very brief, like two minute conversation. And he was like, well, listen, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting everything together. We're getting the script together. Um, we're, we're reaching out to various people within Star Trek and other sci-fi franchises. We're, we're trying to get the whole thing together. And, and it's, it's, we're right in the beginning stages. But email me your stuff, your headshot, your resume, your demo reel. And um, I'll pass it on to the producers and let's see what happens. So I sent it to him. He sent me an email back and he said, everything looks good. Stay in touch. Let's see what we can do. That was in a February. Okay. Every month I kept in touch with Tim. Little quick text message, little quick email. Hey, Tim, just checking in to see how, you know, you want to do it where you're not bugging somebody. You want to make sure that you're doing it in a way where you're just kind of staying on the radar. Of course. But not being like, put me in, put me in, put me in. That's already been established. And next day, Tim, Tim. Yeah, yeah. What's going on with that? Tim, Tim, Tim. Tim." Yeah. Like, okay. Remember that little chihuahua in the cartoon where he's like, what are we doing today, Spike? What are we doing today? It's like, okay, no, 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 no. So, yeah, it was was, was that. So, um, around September, 
September, October. Um, I hit up Tim doing another check in. He lets me know. Yeah, um, we've basically been uh, fully cast. Yeah, yeah. but but um, there are some roles open for some of the bad guy aliens. In essence, they were background roles. They were Uh non-speaking roles. And he said there's still roles open and um, I'm willing to offer it to anyone who just wants to be in a Trek film. And I politely and respectfully declined. Um, and the way that I mentioned it uh, or, or answered Tim was basically just saying that, look, I, I you know, while I appreciate it, I am a professional actor first and I'm a fan second. Um, and in this case, I made a point a long time ago for my career not to do background work. I started doing background work. That's that's how I started my career in mainstream film, if you were from the Bay Area, huge in theater, huge in independent film. And back in the day, there were a lot more productions that came up to the Bay Area to to shoot. So, you know, they would need extras and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I got my feet paid your dues. I paid my dues. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) um, so I declined. And but but the way that I did it was I said, listen, Tim, you know, if 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 there's ever if if anything changes, because as we all know, scripts change things change within productions. If if anything comes up, if any principal roles come up that you think I might be good for between now and when you guys shoot, please let me know if something changes. He's like, cool, great. I completely understand. Thanks so much. We'll stay in touch. I pretty much thought I was not going to hear from him again. (laughs) I'm in San Diego. This is a couple of weeks later. I'm in San Diego shooting a film and I didn't have to be on set until that afternoon. So I'm sitting up in my hotel room. I get a text from Tim. Rico. A part just opened up. Nice. I thought about you. If you're still interested and have the time, all that, let me know. I'll shoot you the script. Read it. You like it. Part's yours. It's fantastic. And long story short on that, I read it. I liked it. I took the part and it's changed a lot. That's a huge long storm, long, long form version that's of the answer to the but, question but that you asked me. That's the amazing thing about being, uh, you know, having this format of podcasting. We have a little time to do that. But yeah. th- that's that's one of those situations where I guess at some point you have to know when to move forward. Because had you taken an extra role, maybe, I don't know, maybe that situation wouldn't have occurred. It's hard to tell. I mean, maybe he would have thought of you, but he, but at that point, he's thinking of you as a professional actor, and he knows you have the goods, right, right, to, to do that because you're you're illustrating that you're being honest, and uh, and yeah, he knows. All right, this guy's not a background guy, and they see you that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in my career, you know, I'm from a smaller area, I'm from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I've traveled a bit, and met some great people, have some have some pretty good connections. But I started out doing audio and doing a lot of crew work, which was great to understand the industry. So I know all the pieces. So when I produce something, I know it's like I have all the pieces of the puzzle and I'm the guy who knows how to put it together. You know, I can guide people through it. But a lot of times because I started out that way, people think like, oh, he's just the locations guy. He's just this sound guy. Well, it's a tricky thing. It's It's a very tricky thing. I mean, and it's interesting you say that because, see, I... I started doing background work in major motion pictures mm-hmm. with that mentality, not because I, I thought somebody was going to see me and recognize me and yeah. discover me, you know, but because I wanted to learn what 
goes on in these big productions that I see in the movie theaters? What makes these things work? I know what happens in the independent film section of it, of it all. And it's a little more key because of budget and all that and stuff. But yeah, how's the big stuff? So yeah, I, I completely understand. And that's the mentality that I approached my my introduction into film as well and that's that's smart i kind of went the other way i I looking back i mean there's so many different paths and that's what i think people that are looking to get into the entertainment industry or music industry or or anything there's so many different paths looking back i think oh i should have interned i should have done this but really i mean what i did was just kind of like i constantly just all right put this project together put this project Mm. together did all these things studied and it paid off yeah, yeah. So, it paid off nicely. Yeah, nicely. so so it's looking at yeah. that. And that was a cool thing about talking with you is sometimes, I mean, too often the humans and myself often look at things glass half empty. Hmm. It's like, wait a second, you know, I've done this. I'm sitting here now talking to you. I know Tyrone. I've, you know, had these great little adventures. And yeah. sometimes you have to look at it like, wow, there's, there's a lot of people out there that would look at my life and say, wow, I want to be there. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's really being there and being present and saying, this is, this is great. And yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll just keep working to get better because that's what I'm set out to, but yeah. not to discount what we have right here and now or what oh, we've no. done. So it's, no. yeah. So, you know, a lot of times with these guys <laughs> yeah. start out to be about entertainment, but get a little more philosophical, but, uh, well, and also, you know, they, look, there's, there's, there's no rules in this business. There are no rules in terms of how one quote unquote makes it, how one approaches getting into this particular type of medium, that particular type of medium. Yeah. There are so many, I mean, there are certain uh, certain paths that one it is suggested that they take. I mean, yeah. obviously, going to school is. I think education is extremely important, and I think staying in class and and constantly learning is always going to be a good thing. And one should never not um, study or con- mm-hmm. continue to study. Al Pacino still studies. Denzel Washington still studies. They still have people that they go to for coaching to just completely improve. And people look at someone like Al or Denzel and they may think, what are they still studying for? They've, they've made it. They're there. They're, they're who they are, (laughs) but it's like, but this is a business where, and and a field where you always want to be better. You want to improve. You want to be the best you on screen, on stage, on radio, wherever that you can be. It's not a matter of I've made it. I can kick back. You do want to kick back. You do want to um, smell the roses as, as it were, but you also got to keep putting in the work. Yeah. To stay so. at that level. Yeah. 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 And it's not easy. I mean, you have your path. I have my path. There's so many different people in their paths. I I honestly, I don't think there's one particular road that one can say is the right way to approach this wacky business that we're in. Yeah. It's it's a quote I heard, and I think it was attributed to Oprah. And it's uh, it was luck is preparation meeting opportunity. Yeah. 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 I don't remember if that was Oprah, but I remember the saying. And it's and it's true. You got, you know, it's kind of like be prepared so you don't get be prepared so you don't have to get prepared or get prepared. So, yeah, be prepared so you don't have to get prepared. 
I'm sure it's an easier way of yeah, saying. Yeah, no, that. no, that makes a lot of sense because if you be prepared, then you don't miss that opportunity. So then you have to really prepare for the yeah. next one. Yeah, so, you're yeah. washing your clothes on a Sunday. Well, you're not going to just wash your clothes. You're going to iron your clothes. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you never know when that audition is going to come up where you're going to need to wear a suit or you're going to need to wear a nice shirt. Well, now you're not rushing the day of or the yeah. or the night of to iron out that shirt, get it all. Yeah, it's already ready. It's already ironed. Yeah, yeah. It's ready to go. Just throw it on. Boom, you're out. And, and it's easier said than done, than done for a lot of people because, hell, even I'm not always 100%, you know, I'm not always ironing my shirts on Sunday. So, <laughs> now, you, yeah. you mentioned Denzel, and I kind of know, you kind of got that Denzel look. Do you ever get that? Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've gotten the resemblance in a sense. Yeah. But cool, cool. Yeah. So in the Star Trek pilot you had, and I posted the picture on my Facebook, you have uh, you have makeup and you're acting in that. Have you acted in makeup or is these villains before? Or well, is that a first? Not, not in that context. I mean, I was in like full prosthetic makeup. So I had stuff on my forehead. I had stuff over my mouth. It limited a lot of what I could do. Yeah. Do in terms of eating and drinking and stuff like that. But, you know, you get around it. But so um, and I had a wig. So it was it was it was a new experience in um, and in, in acting, because, first of all, it's it's restricting a lot of facial movements, anything that could affect an audience. And now you're really relying on your acting skills. You're also really relying on your eyes, because mm-hmm. when you're wearing like a prosthetic, sometimes that that can block if you're raising an eyebrow, mm-hmm. if you're squinching your forehead or whatever it is that you're doing to convey that emotion, you know, so it 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 was a challenge. It was great, though. I mean, listen, I again, going back to the fact that I actually booked this thing, I was like I was on cloud nine, as it were. So I got the question of, hey, were you claustrophobic in the thing? Was it <laughs> hot in the suit? You know what? Maybe it was hot as hell in the suit, and maybe I was claustrophobic. But that adrenaline of actually being in this thing, I was, I was. I, it didn't matter. I was yeah. loving it, and and I think I was okay. <laughs> but nice. yeah, now, now is that uh, so? You did the pilot. Now is that sh- how long ago was that? This was uh, three years ago. Okay, so the show yeah. didn't get picked up. Well, it was a pilot for CBS to consider oh, okay. for gotcha. to for a series, and they respectfully turned it down. They said they loved it, and, uh-huh. but they turned it down. Kind of know why now, because now they're in preparation for Star Trek Discovery, which is the new Star Trek series that's going to be airing on CBS All Access. Okay. So and that's going to be happening next year. So, no, they, they didn't. They, they turned it down. Um, but the decision was made to continue with it and just produce episodes online and release it on YouTube. So um, it's called Star Trek Renegades. Now it's only called Renegades and the elements of Star Trek were t- completely taken out. Okay. All right. A lot of that had to do with the fact that there were some new guidelines for independent Star Trek productions that that came out, which more or less uh, limited certain things that could be done in terms of how much money can be raised, Uh how long the production can be, um, who can be in it as far as like anybody who may have worked for Paramount has has been in Star Trek, that that type of thing. Yeah. So uh, there were a lot of limitations. So uh, the producers of Star Trek Renegades decided to in in essence just create their own IP and and call it Renegades still have the same a lot of the same people and there there were some new people as well and uh and just continue it that way 
That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. You kind of, if you're passionate about something, figure out a different way to do it. You work your way around. Because just... I'm sure the stories are very similar. You just take off the, that branding. Well, what was funny is it, the, we, it was, it was the second episode was one day into shooting. And then those guidelines came out. Oh, all right. And so there was like one day of shooting Star Trek Renegades episode two. And then the guidelines came out. Then we had to pull the plug. So um, there was some quick, uh, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Type um, things going on. And so that's when. How how long did that delay production? Just, well, I think part of the advantage was the fact that it happened, I believe, either on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Thursday. Okay. And so in essence, you kind of had going into the weekend to really figure out how are we going to swim around the shark? So they had the weekend. So I, I, if I re- remember right, uh, production resumed like that Monday. Okay. So they're able to make their script notes, corrections, rewrites, yeah, take yeah. out the, take out the elements of Star Trek, switch them around. So, okay. Yep. So the core of the story was there. So. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people got sleep that weekend, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, they were able to work it out. What are some other roles that, uh, that just stand out that you're like, wow, or who have you worked with where it was just like, you're just jazzed about that, that you worked with them or they were yeah. such an inspiration that really just makes you just gives you that energy to move forward and be a better actor. Mm. Well, I did a, a series. I was a guest star on a series that was actually a comedy called Young and Hungry. And that's on Freeform. And it's a, it's a, it's a half-hour comedy um, and a sitcom. And um, I, I played a character named Marco, who in essence is bisexual. And the, the storyline deals with the fact that He's going out with one of the main female characters and come to find out that the the person that she works with, who is a guy, used to date that guy. Okay. And so if you know how comedy works, that's how kind of like the comedy ensues. And those two people are kind of like arch nemesis is, you know, they're always kind of throwing insults back and forth to each other. So it's kind of a thing where it's like. I'm coming to pick her up. He answers the door. We're looking at each other. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, Elliot. And he's like, Marco. And he's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you since the Madonna concert. And then there's, there's all this comedy that comes in. And then Yolanda comes in, with the woman that I'm taking out. And she's like, oh, I see you've met. And it was like, yeah, actually, we did. <laughs> we really met. And so there's that whole thing. And then at dinner, we I let her know that her uh, he um, Elliot and I used to date and you know it's just mm-hmm. one of those back and forth things but what was great about it was the fact that well it, I was playing I was playing a gay character a bisexual character and it's look it's it's easy to go over the top with with anything that could be a stereo a stereotype um, or considered a stereotype um, depending on how a person plays the character dresses what have you acts or whatnot so obviously going into the audition was was i don't want to say a challenge but it was it was definitely a hey look all that acting all that acting lessons that i had it was it was it was time to really put them to to good use and you know i went in there and and i played the character just like i mean a human being which is what we all are no matter who we are or where we're from or you know what our sexual orientation or preference is um 
but I also because it's comedy, there's there's this tendency in comedy to sometimes automatically think that, well, maybe I need to ham it up a little bit more. Um, I chose not to do that. Um, I chose to add very small elements that cater to what is comedy and and it worked and it was a great it was a great exercise in stillness, calmness um, and just being able to do what people may think should be more of because, again, it is comedy, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got it. And then I got on set and I was able to uh, exercise it even more. So it was it was and, and just working with that cast. It, they were they're incredible. They were really wonderful. Very open, very um, just just, you know, you, you, you when you work on those type of shows, you work for like a week. So you really get a chance to kind of be embedded in that in that world. And, they're, you know, you're staying at their house for the week in essence. So um, being able to really kind of form that week long bond with members of the cast was really cool. And just being able to have a steady gig like that is is great, but also a challenging one. Because again, you don't want to you don't want to overdo certain things. You don't want to underdo certain things. You want to be able to play and just have fun and and just and just make it happen. So, and it, it became very successful. It was it was one of my best roles, and and I, I still look back on it, and I'm like, you know, it it it's it was a great feeling being able to do that, and I look forward to doing more like that. So, that's fantastic. Yeah. And we're um. Is that on YouTube? It's it's currently on actually. Well, I shot it last year, so it's actually on Netflix now. So it's called Young and Hungry, and the episode is called Young and Sandwich. So it's one of those things where every week they have a young and and whatever the episode deals with. Oh, that's interesting. That's a great way to title it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and pick that theme and go with it and roll with it like that. Very cool. So yeah, that's that's something I will definitely check out and hopefully, uh, please do. Hopefully, some of the audience here, some some of my audience, checks it out. What? How do you prepare? So a a role like that, you could go the stereotypical route, which you didn't. Mm. Do you create a backstory for your characters or? I try my best to. Yeah, creating backstories are, I I think, very important. Um, I, I, I. I tend to do it more with more, I don't want to say characters with more lines, but characters that just have more of a presence. But in essence, you really should try to create a backstory with any character, no matter if it's one or two lines. It just helps to bring a sense of reality to the character for yourself, which in essence brings it out for the audience. So it's, it's important. And, you know, your character just may be cop number two. Well, cop number two has a name. Mm-hmm. My mama named him something. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it could be Officer Officer Johnson, Officer Bradley, Officer Anderson. So I I try to at least do that much. Yeah. And does Officer Anderson, is Officer Bradley married? Does he have any kids? What does he like to do on his off time? Mm-hmm. You know? Is he a raging alcoholic? Yeah, is he a raging alcoholic? Yeah, is yeah, he a raging That's a tough job. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is he a raging alcoholic who likes to go bowling? Yeah. Ha! Somebody does. So, you know, what, what yeah. is that character? Yeah. Um, I, I, I try to keep it simple. Yeah. But, but, but real. If, and that's if it's not already created for me. Mm-hmm. Even, even when it is created, sometimes I like to add little elements that, that just help along the line. There's this fly that's just really trying to yeah, get in yeah. on the action. <laughs> I think you're going to be interviewing him next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Because uh, that's one thing when I write, and, and a lot of my stuff has been more documentary because it's just with 
with less resource. There's a fly in the mic now. Great. He yeah. just got in there. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. Rico Landis is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get in all this Please one. watch his shows. <laughs> yes, Mr. Fly. But, um, so yeah, that's a good thing to, to write that backstory for characters to know where they are. What's the, the underlying theme, the underlying essence of them. Um, so something yeah, I would write with that, but uh, oh, well, I was saying documentaries, it's the resources are easier. You don't have to, you find a great subject and then I can build it around them. Mm-hmm. But then in the narrative, it's, it's, it's more, I would say the narrative is more pre-production where a documentary is, is more post-production. You're gathering all these materials and then you put the puzzle together where essentially in a narrative, you're putting the puzzle together. And then, and then all this great team that you, that you, that you form, then they, they create that world. Right, um, right. So as a writer, if I'm writing this backstory for characters, I mean, that's something you may not see. You, you take the next step, but if you had a chance to, like if a writer's on set, do you pick their brain at all? What, what, what the essence of that character is? I, I mean, for maybe a role that's. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a blessing to have the writer there and it's, it, in a lot of cases, the writer's still writing. You know, you you have you, especially like with a with a show like Young and Hungry or any any comedy, really any any um, any production. But with comedy, it's because you're on set five days a week. Um, there's constant rewrites. You're adding characters. Sometimes characters are written out. Um, um, you're changing lines to make the the scene flow better. I just shot two days on Rosewood with uh, Morris Chestnut, and um, I had this little mini monologue that ended up getting kind of chopped up because they wanted more of a flow between myself and one of the other characters as opposed to me just kind of like going and just talking, 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 talking. So they they change things as as you go, and I mean these writers are right there on set, you know, kind of switching things up, and and. In, in, in for the purpose of making it just flow a lot, mm-hmm. you know, quicker and, and stuff like that. Yeah, get that rhythm, get that cadence going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but still having the writer on set and really picking their brain in terms of who this character is, um, why they wrote the character like it is. Um, if I have some ideas, being able to bounce that off the writer and, and see if that's something that um, this character would say, do, think, act, what have you. It's it's good to have them. It's very very good to have them there. So and and you know the thing about writers is they they don't get as much credit as they should. I mean, writers in a lot of respects, I've heard writers say they're pretty much like the bottom of the totem pole when it comes <laughs> to. Yeah, it, it is. It's like, come on, guys. These these are the writers. These guys yeah. are like you know sitting up. In, I, I have writer. One of my best friends is a writer and, and he, you know, he's he's on the computer all the time, sitting up in the house, sitting up in a Starbucks, you know what I mean? He's yeah. writing his little heart it's out. It's tough and, work. You have to be disciplined. You really Definitely. do. And, and I haven't been, so hopefully there's, you know, I can get on that. I want to I want to rework a screenplay. It's an independent. Oh, man. It's a mockumentary about an independent wrestling group. Okay. So, yeah, I think it's all there. And now that huh. I've learned... Uh, a wrestling group, uh, like an MMA or like uh, a No, no, WWE? like the like the professional, like a WWE type okay. group. Right. But, uh, you know, the professional, you know, the, the theater in the squared circle, that Got type it. of group, you know. And, okay. uh, and that's something now that I, I wrote it after college many years ago. Mm-hmm. And now with the documentary experience I have, I think it can make it better. So it's just, I just have to sit down and discipline myself and just maybe 
three hours a day, four hours a day, and, and maybe pick that time every morning. And, <laughs> and I just have to challenge. do it because yeah. it's in my head. I want to do it, but yeah. I just, yeah, one of those things. What, you, you said you've been writing. Have you written some scripts as well? I haven't written scripts. I've, I've written a lot of ideas down and uh-huh. treatments. I, I think that's one of the most important things because we all have ideas, but yeah. if you don't put them down on paper, man, you know, mm-hmm. so, so many ideas have been taken to the grave that, that were probably the next of this, that, or the other. Um, I've, I've, I've written a couple of very small, maybe one, two page, uh, scripts, but nothing full length. Um, I have a lot of ideas in my head that I, that I want to write and, um, really put in long form script form. Um, I have a huge sci-fi, um, time travel anthology that, that I'm working on now. And Fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's taken me a lot longer than I wanted to just because this, that, and the other's happening. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, good Lord, can I just sit down for three hours and do it? And, and one day I'm just going to have to do it. Yeah. I'm going to like, and I, and I feel you because I, for whatever reason, it's, it's, it's hard as sin to just, for me, it is just to sit there, you know, yeah. I, I can only imagine. I mean, because it's it's I mean, you'll probably have more discipline than I would in that. At times, yeah. at times. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to do it, though. I'm it depends. It. I think I'm more visual. So that's that's my thing. I can sit down and edit and I'm seeing mm. something and I know it's real. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think the problem with writing and growing up blue collar, I think that's uh that's kind of a weird thing because it's like, oh, what are you doing? You're writing, you're not working. And I had some, yeah, like uh, family members at one point that just was like, yeah, what is this? And then you see yeah. it as, oh yeah, I'm not really, yeah, this isn't really working. Working is, you know, getting out and with a shovel or like holding a boom pole, and that seems more like <laughs> solid work. Where writing is this dream type type of thing. It's this mystical yeah. thing, but uh, really, it's. It's very hard work. Well, like with yourself, would you you say you you write more on the documentary side, and 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 as a result, does that kind of let you off the hook a little more as far as like this person has a line, that person has a line? Well, I think so. With the documentaries, I'm not writing so much. Well, with the this mockumentary, yeah, it'll be like that. Where it's now that I've known how to cut talking heads together, it mm-hmm. can be that, and then you know what the right action is, what the right scene is. So yeah, I think I have a better understanding of that. But I mean, for a typical documentary, it's not, it's putting an outline together, understanding what the story is. Mm-hmm. It's more of a feeling, I think. And then you're, you're taking the words of the other person. That's why I like podcasting. And it's, it's kind mm-hmm. of these things are, right, you get the right person, you know, I have the right person here and then you have that story. And then sometimes I'm mumbling or I'm trying to get what I want to say, but you know, you have the right person, they'll pick up on it. And sometimes that I found in, interviewing for documentaries and things of that nature that sometimes when I don't have that answer, but I'm giving that energy out, that person picks up on something. Right. right. And then they give the best answer I've ever had. And it's like, good thing that I don't really know this subject because it's, (laughs) it's pulling, being able to pull out that good work from the other person. That's why directing is always, right. That's been my, my dream and goal. Mm, And, you know, in some forms of television, you know, that could be producing as that title, but pulling out those great things from people and you know i think that's really cool when you have the right director man they they can they can pull some stuff out of you i've had some incredible directors especially in theater it's been very um it's very rewarding to have the type of director who knows how to pull those feelings those thoughts those emotions from you as the actor don't doesn't give you the line reading 
doesn't tell you what they're how they hear it yeah, yeah. in their head. They're like they're going through the steps with you. And that's where your training comes in, because if your training is solid, then you're you're able to incorporate that. And it's it's kind of like a melding of the minds and boom, psh, you got some of the greatest performances out there. So, yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And even in film I, or TV, I think I think I think it's the same thing. You know, it's it's different, but it's 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 still the same thing. You know, the right director, you know, can do that. So. Yeah, and I think it's playing, and I've done some studying and reading, but, um, you know, I've had more limited opportunities for, for narrative and, mm-hmm. and directing actors. But but one yeah. thing I always try to do is just to play on someone's imagination. And so, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a scenario, but say if if, if, if you want them to get louder, I don't want to say, oh, read this, like, like you said, the line mm-hmm. reading, but it may be like, okay, well... All right, in this situation, you're talking to a deaf person, maybe, that can't really hear you. Right, right. And then maybe that's a technique that, that pulls something out. Or it's... Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't haven't studied enough lately, and I, I just can't think of any scenarios. When I get in that moment, it's like yeah. those things just seem to occur naturally. I mean, I've had directors who have set a line where it could be interpreted as them giving me a line reading. And I still look at it as not so much, I'm not going to say it the way that person says it, but I'm going to incorporate what they said. Yeah. And, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to reincorporate how they said it. Sure. And then put my own spin on it. And hopefully we, we, we get something. Um, You can tell when a director is not. When you can tell when a director is doing something like that, and you know for a fact it's not a line reading, mm-hmm. but it's just their way of of conveying what they're looking for. Okay, yeah, you conveying know, that that emotional response that they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, okay. yeah, and it doesn't necessarily. I mean, it, listen, just you know, again, there are no rules. There, I mean, there there are ways of doing certain things, but then there are people have broken those ways. I mean, it, it, there's so many ways of approaching stuff, and and I think as long as there's also respect between the actor, the director, and knowing that, you know, as a director, you don't give an actor a line reading. As an actor, you don't tell another actor how to act. You don't do it. You know, it's it's an unwritten rule, but it's, it's just the respect for the other actor. You can go over stuff with the other actor. You can talk about things that the other actor, or with the other actor, if you have a scene with that person, but... And you may be doing it with the intention of trying to help bring something more out of that actor. But ooh, don't look at me and tell me how to do my thing, man. Because you know that's <laughs> how do you feel if some if some director said, "Give me thirty percent more." Is that a good thing, or you like what is thirty percent more in your in your mind? It, it can be a good thing. I, yeah, I mean, I would I would ask. Yeah. If they don't give me an example, yeah. I I would ask in what capacity thirty percent more in terms of. Um, being more upset, being more anxious, being more happy, being yeah, more you. angry. You know, so many emotions. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. What? What is, what is the third? The thirty percent that you want? Yeah. Because there's there's the there's the the deep emotional talking deep into the mic like this type thing, and then there's the Yo Brenner way where <laughs> you're. Sp- 
spilling out your guts towards this person and that person yeah. and your law that whole thing and i just blew out the microphone there no no but, it's good We're, i'll get the levels okay get you covered. but but you know there there are those levels yeah. and yeah so it it's important to to know what those are and, and ask you know but yeah i, I don't i don't I, I listen i ask a lot of questions to the point where people have said i ask too many questions sometimes <laughs> i'm that way too yeah yeah. And but it it's good to know. It's good to yeah. know. You, know? you can always pull back or say, "All right, so I'll stop asking the questions." But yeah. if you don't ask, I mean, then it's yeah. Who wants to? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got to be that that ebb and flow, and and it's less work. Know, as a director, there's I can't think of everything, and there may be a nugget that you put out that, that maybe through a question mm-hmm. that's like, "Oh yeah, that's let's do this." You just need that. Yeah. Well, that look, collaboration. Well, you hey, you cast me based on the fact that. You liked what I did, yeah. and maybe somewhere in the audition process, you put me through a couple of tests where you wanted to see if I could if I could play. And when I say play, I've been in auditions where I'll do something, and then they'll be like, "Okay, Rico, that was great. So let's try it this way. Let's um, let's have you do it, and this time, um, when you come towards the end, where you're really upset, instead of uh, instead of uh, screaming at the person, just say it in a real cooler, calmer voice, but in a way where you mean business, and you're still saying, "I will kill you if you do this again." You know, so that way and and maybe they loved what I did. Yeah, maybe yeah. the first thing is the thing where they're like, this guy is basically cast, mm-hmm. but they're doing the other thing because why they want to see versatility. Oh, of course. Yeah. And they want to know if I know how to make those adjustments. Yeah. And if I can make those adjustments, that makes their job a lot easier. And that lets that lets them know, hey, this guy we can bring on set. He could go up mm-hmm. here. He can go down here. He knows how to play. He knows how to roll with it. He knows how to make certain decisions that could that we could work with, pull back, add more to that type of thing. So yeah, that's that's great, and that's yeah. what essentially with the with the wrestling mockumentary, it was one of those things where I don't think the dialogue was more like um, because I, I want that thing to be more not necessarily all, but more improv sort of take that line of dialogue and somebody mm. to, to pick that up and just kind of have the essence of that dialogue. That's so where the fun like, begins. Yeah. So here's <laughs> kind, kind of what we want to get. Now I, I want yeah. people to take that and enhance this. And right. Like, how can you embodying this character? And, and maybe that's a cop out or it's, I mean, I think that's the right thing for that. And I, I'm not, not the greatest wordsmith. I need to work on it some more, but uh, yeah. I think for that particular project that it might work. So you're saying that you would like give an actor a piece of paper and say, okay, so here's the situation. Here's the scenario. This, that, and the other is happening. Yeah. I had some Go. of that, a lot of plot, but like with the dialogue, it was, I don't know. I just didn't have like, I guess I wasn't fully as a writer embodying the characters. Mm, okay. So that's yeah. something I have to work on. But I, but also I was right. going at it thinking I wanted it to be more improv and get, you know, make it more documentary. Like some areas it was like so-and-so interview. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think some of the best performances have come out of um, certain improv moments. Um, you look at people like Robin Williams, oh, who, yeah. who big parts of scripts, yeah. scenes that he's done, um, 
there are those those underlying layers of dialogue that mm-hmm. is like classic gold, which just came out of his brain, and he just improv the hell out of certain yeah, scenes. Yeah, and things I, like yeah. That. I think I just didn't need to have the gist of the interview and mm-hmm. and and fill that bit in, and yeah. then, and then have the actors like let them give them the the, the power to run with it. So. You never know what's going to come yeah. out. Um, it, there's a famous episode of MASH, and it's called The Interview. And it's, I think, if I recall, it's it's the only, they actually did two episodes of it. And it's called The Interview, and there's this war correspondent. You know, it takes place during the uh-huh. Korean War. Yeah. There's this war correspondent. In fact, I think they actually got a real war correspondent to come in and do the, uh, those two episodes. But anyway, um if I recall right, the script was, there was no script. The only thing that was written were the questions. Ah. And so they would sit one of the actors down like Hawkeye yeah. and they would be like, Hey, so, um, you know, what, what, what do you think about this, uh, war and, and, and the fact that you get so many casualties in a week and it would just be like, go and, and That's brilliant. yeah, what is the essence of Hawkeye and what would he say? Yeah. And 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 in character, what would he say? How would he say it? How would he express it? Go. And and it's brilliant. I mean, people yeah. watch this. The majority of it is all improv. And but you're still seeing these characters. You're still seeing, but it's it's more like the in-depth, deep. Yeah, and at that point, the they, those actors knew those characters. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. I mean, what amazing cast. Yeah, yeah. And so it just put that sense of realism in. In essence, it was real. Yeah, because they were going like off, that. and it's the that's them understanding their character. Yeah, it's them understanding their situation. Where are they? What is that? What's happening? How are they dealing with it? What do they want? How do they want to get it? And all of that and. You got one of the most classic episodes, one of the best episodes of MASH ever. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting episode or uh, exercise because thinking about this thing and having that, it's almost like because at this point for mine, the the actors wouldn't know that back. They haven't lived that that story like these actors did. But in creating that backstory, maybe that's an interactive type thing with actors and okay, come up with or work together, come up with the backstory mm-hmm. of this character, and then they embody that character. They kind of get the soul of that character, and then that essentially kind of writes it. It helps write it, and right. then when so, you go into production, that, that's an interesting... I'm glad we're talking about this. It's getting me a guy I need to discipline. <laughs> but when, when did you... At what point in life did you realize, I want to be an actor, I want to do this? When I was a kid. When I was a kid, I... Um, I saw a touring production of The Wiz with Stephanie Mills and she was she was like the first the first black Dorothy. And it wasn't that I saw Stephanie Mills, but it was really the whole cast. I remember going to the production. It was a school, it was a field trip. And the school took us to this production. And I just remember we were pretty close to the stage. And just seeing not only Stephanie Mills playing Dorothy, but all the dancers. All, you know, they're all dressed up in these beautiful, lavish costumes and they were playing these various characters. And, you know, you have your scarecrow, the tin man, the lion, you had those characters. But then like, you know, you had the crows, you had all these people playing all these different animals and beings and whatnot, different colors and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just blew my mind. I was just like, wow, this is so cool. It wasn't just so cool just to see like kids see things and they think it's cool. It was something else. And I was like, man, this is. 
I like this. And then I remember watching a lot of TV and and seeing programs um, that featured African-Americans, especially kids that I looked at. And I was like, hey, that kid's like me. Hey, that guy's like me. Hey, I could be like that person. And and but I'm also picturing myself in those roles and I'm like, I, I could do this thing. And, and it kept, it, it kept kind of frustrating, f- frustrating. No, kept fermenting, uh, fermenting. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what, I, I think I just created a new word. Yeah. Frustrating. Frustrating. <laughs> Webster, are you listening? <laughs> um, yeah, just percolating in my mind. And then um, eventually, it, and I, I grew up in Chicago as a kid. Um, and then we moved to California. We moved to the San Francisco Bay Area. And I was in a Catholic school and we did this production of a Jesus Christ Superstar. And um, I was in a cast. I was always in a cast. I was one of those rough boys. I was always, <laughs> if I didn't spring it, I broke it. I twisted it. I dislocated, I dislocated it, it so. splinters <laughs> all the time. Yeah. You know, I was that kid. Um, <laughs> uh, and I had a cast on my foot for something. And there was this whole like chorus line thing that we did during the part of you are the Christ, you're the great Jesus Christ. And before I broke my foot or whatever the hell I did to it, I, um, I was part of that ensemble. I was part of that, that, that rocket type ensemble. Well, now I'm breaking my foot and I'm doing it with the cast on and the crutches and all that. I got the biggest laugh. It was like one mm. of the most funniest things to this audience. And that was actually, I would think, the last straw, if you will, that that said, dude, you just did something on stage that just made all these people laugh. You affected these people in a way you tapped into an emotion. You made them laugh. Maybe they were laughing at me. Who knows? But the point is, they were laughing. And I that's when I said, you know what? I think this is something I really want to do. And so when I got into junior high school, I ended up taking a drama class. And we did a couple of plays and then I got into high school. We did opera, operettas, we did musicals, we did um, all sorts of things. I, um, uh, I was in concert chorale, singing, dancing. I mean, I was just deeply embedded in the arts. And so I just took more and more and more classes. And then when I graduated high school, I decided I wanted to go to college and do this. And then um that's when I started doing more, uh, doing independent film and I started doing background work and really getting into it. So it, it, it started early. It started when I was a kid and what's beautiful is I've been able to work alongside some of the people that I grew up watching, um, and idolizing and looking at going, ha, I could do what they're doing and I would love to do what they're doing. So I've been able to work with some of those people. So that's that I guess in answer to your an earlier question, there have been some people from from my childhood that I've that I've been able to uh, work with Herbert Jefferson, Jr., who played um, the original boomer in Battlestar Galactica, um, was in Star Trek Renegades with me. And uh, I got a chance to work with him and share that screen credit and. And I see him at conventions all the time. We say, "Hey, we yeah. hang out and talk and all that kind yeah. of stuff." And just that's cool. Yeah. Did, did you like the? Did you watch the new Battlestar Galactica? I loved that. Oh, that was brilliant. Yeah, I and, and, total twist yeah. from the original, yeah. but it worked. But you talk really about worked. what the greatest sci-fi is. You're taking these cultural mm-hmm. things that are going on, these political things, yeah. war, everything, and they 
and they wrote in what's going on in our current times so well and it was so compelling and you just I mean you could watch that show and kind of look at the time period where it came out and realize oh this is what this reflects what's happening in current society and that that's a cool thing about pop culture and it's a smart thing I mean yeah. that's what Gene Roddenberry did with the yeah. original Star Trek oh yeah you know you're dealing with a time when 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 the world was dealing with the Cold War and mm-hmm. and but he took elements of human the human condition human life and he incorporated it, it into a, a space drama a sci-fi mm-hmm. yeah. a, a drama set in space you know yeah and then you look at like the you know and Kirk's making out with these aliens and it's mm-hmm. kind of looking at everything with segregation and everything and, and integration and, right not giving yeah. a damn if she was green, blue, yeah, black, yeah. brown, and you know, it's as a result, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, you got the first interracial kiss for, that came out of yeah. Star Trek. Chekhov, uh, a Russian, was brought in there because of the fact that at the time things were so tense yeah. between the U.S. and Russia. You have Star Trek: The Next Generation, who has a Klingon on the bridge, yeah, yeah. Michael Dorn, who plays mm-hmm. Warp, and yeah. they did that as an answer to why they put a Russian on the bridge with 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 Chekhov. You know, in Star Trek, yeah. there was always that war with the Klingons. Everyone yeah, was beefing yeah. with the Klingons, and the Klingons, in essence, were like the Russians. Yeah. Well, now we've shown that yeah. seventy-five years later, eh, we're pretty much past that. We got a Klingon yeah. working on the that whole thing. Yeah, so now we have the Borg. You know, and it's now like, we got oh, the Borg. Here's, here's all right now. Here's an enemy that we can. And it seems like right, like humans in in the face of catastrophe or some kind of. Um, God, now, I'm, now I'm losing my words, but you know, in the in the times of need, it seems like we band together, and it's not, oh, who's this and that. Like if there's an earthquake okay. right now, mm-hmm. and I think there's going to be he- people helping people because it's more that human thing, and well, yeah. sometimes it takes chaos to create that change, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, you know, like nine eleven, it, yeah. it brought out it brought out the best in a lot of us in terms of. Um, just just being there to help, even if we weren't in New York, just just being emotionally supportive and 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 showing that, listen, we're all in this together and we're, we're going to get through this somehow, you know, definitely. So. And then looking at, you know, in culture and having like something like The Wiz was groundbreaking in the 70s when mm-hmm. that was still a lot going on. I mean, it's still a lot going on now. But yeah. then and then you look at the, they took a classic story and made it their own and made and made it in a way that was super creative and super interesting that really spoke to a culture mm-hmm. and that uh yeah that's pretty amazing and now you have shows like luke cage which was a, a comic that i picked up in a variety pack back in the day <laughs> and it was like oh this is a cool character and it was power man and iron fist right so then when uh you know i see this luke cage and it was it's interesting what what they did with it and uh and then now in this time when when a lot of people, you know, socioeconomically are in an area are in an they're really struggling, and and there's just a lot going on with mm. Black Lives Matters and everything of that nature, mm. and then you have this character that comes out. So it's a classic character, but not a lot of people knew about Luke Cage back in the day. Well, you had to do a lot of um, adjusting, obviously. I mean, yeah. Luke Cage has been around since what the seventies. Yeah, yeah, so obviously you couldn't have the Luke Cage of the seventies. Today, I mean, yeah. I know they in they the paid sh- homage on that one episode. Which, and yeah, I was, which I <laughs> I was like, yes, all right, cool. I'm right. glad they did that. And I love when the comics do that because yeah. they'll give you a quick, yeah, we know what they look like in the thing, but we know for 
damn sure we couldn't do oh, this. Yeah. You know, we can't pull this outfit off. They did that with Supergirl also. Um, yeah. Like the first episode of Supergirl, they had her like trying on all these yeah. outfits and things. And they had her like in these really like basically tight uh-huh. booty shorts and yeah, little yeah. midriff. She's, she's like, there's no way I, I'm going to go around yeah. looking like this. But in the comic, she's dressed like yeah, that. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's one of her outfits. So, yeah. yeah. So it's very cool. And, and yeah. for you, what do you, as far as media with social understanding like a Luke Cage or some different things. I, I mean, have you had a chance to act in any of those things or are you more a comedy actor? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. It's okay, funny so because you're an actor, you're a, a great actor that can man, transform. I, listen, I'm surprised that That's I got nice. the comedy roles that I've gotten. I'm, I'm, thoroughly surprised i was shocked when i got some of the stuff that i got because i came to listen you know we all come to la or wherever we decide to set up shop as far as uh being in this business with the intention hey i'm gonna be a serious actor i'm gonna be you know like denzel like Lawrence fishburne like pacino like you know, De Niro, I'm going to be that serious actor who's always doing those serious roles and that leading man, that type of thing. And I'm coming to Hollywood to do it. And then I ended up doing, I mean, I, I it's kind of an equal balance of comedy and drama. People told me I'm funny in real life, but just because you're funny in real life, this necessarily mean it's going to trans, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to uh, project onto the screen yeah, yeah. just because you can sing like, um, Pavarotti or you know like Luther Vandross or like Whitney Houston yeah. in the shower doesn't mean that you can <laughs> you know get on get on the voice and you yeah. know and 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 blow them away but and I'm not saying I'm you know comedian extraordinaire but I I had certain levels of timing I guess that that worked and I did a show called Sullivan and Son and that was one of my first um first guest stars and I'm I'm I've been told I'm really good with facial expressions. Like my face can get very animated, which is great for theater. Oh yeah. yeah. But you know, in fit TV and film, you kind of yeah, have to yeah, tone it down. Yeah. Right. So, but when you know how to do it, you can raise a little eyebrow, you can make a little something, you know, that, that, that conveys that energy or that, that emotion or what have you. And I, I, I think, I, I think it's safe to assume that I've gotten, a couple of really good roles based on hopefully the fact that I can act, but also the fact that I'm able to convey those, those little subtleties. Yeah. And I, and I think the rock Dwayne Johnson is good at those little subtleties, especially with the eyebrow. Oh, the eyebrow. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) He was doing that before he even started doing movies. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's a guy that has a good timing. I mean, he killed it when he was first on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think he, I like him. I think he's a he's a great actor. I think he does a great job in the roles he plays, and yeah. I enjoy watching. Him. No, he's he's fun. He's yeah. fun, and you know he's he's gone past just the action star, which yeah. he still is. Yeah. But he he he's 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 able to go beyond that and and do a lot of the the mainstream, if you will, type yeah. stuff. But still, with the emphasis that there's this huge buff dude yeah. who's Kind of like when Schwarzenegger did like Kindergarten Cop, you know, it's kind of like, here's this big buff, you know, yeah. action hero. It's not the Tuma. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, his greatest threat yet. Yeah. yeah. Little six year olds, yeah, you know, no, so I was like premise. Yeah, it is. Amazing. It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. Rico stays healthy. He stays in shape. It's important for an actor as well as the health of his spine. When we come back, he's going to be talking about some of the advice that he gives to young actors 
And I always go, my advice for, for my health, I always talk to Dr. Mark Holland. He's a chiropractor, but he knows about good health. He knows about eating well and uh, stretching. Once upon a time before I started practicing yoga, I uh, you know, I'd had a little bit of tightness in my back and uh, would go get adjustments from Dr. Holland. And, and the one piece of advice that he had always gave me and he gives all his patients is stretching, keeping limber. And some of the stretches that he had showed me are things or positions or poses that I'll, you know, I learned in yoga and that I practice to this day. And it's just so good. Keep the hips loose, uh, the back loose, the muscles, everything. So it's not, um, it's not pulling your spine in different directions and throwing your spine out of whack. So just as, as Rico is energetic and you, you feel his energy here on this conversation, and just, just his personality, that is Dr. Mark Holland. And I'm hoping at some point to have Dr. Holland talk about some of these different things and just introduce him in, uh, you know, just a little segment where he is, uh, he's talking about what he does and the passion he has for helping people. To find out more about Dr. Holland and his colleagues, you can uh, go to CairoAndRehab.com, or you can also go to MyStLouisChiropractor.com. If you're in the St. Louis area, they have six locations. If not, check out his website anyhow, and you can get information that'll help you uh, find a chiropractor in your area. This is great information on his website, great guy, and I thank him dearly for his support of this show. Now we're back to Rico Anderson and the advice he has for young actors. What advice do you have for for young actors or actors that are looking to come out to Hollywood and get into get into this industry? I would say definitely. And uh, most of what I'm going to say may sound cliche-ish, but go to school, learn, don't learn how to act, but learn the art, learn the history of the art, learn why you do what you do, learn everything that is associated with this, this art, not so much the business but the art, you do want to learn the business side too. But listen, all of what we do started in the theater. It all started in the theater. And if you learn to respect the theater and what incredible gifts you can get from doing theater and learning about theater, man, it's, it's like you can do anything. Um, so study, um, Get, get a mentor, get somebody who could kind of help you out in terms of showing you the ropes and get somebody, that same person hopefully is able to be, I guess you could say that shoulder you need to cry on when things may not be going as great as you thought it may go, or you didn't get that part that you just knew you nailed and it's kind of bringing you down. It happens. With that said, also have a thick skin because you're going to not book more than you're going to book in the beginning. And sometimes throughout your career, you might fail more than you succeed, but it doesn't mean that you give up. You never want to give up. Yeah. It's not, not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get up. Exactly. Yeah. A wise man told me that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's one of the best pieces of advice just in life. But in this business where you're knocked down for so many reasons, it's almost like, why would you want to get up? 
But you have to, because at the end of the day, it's not always about you and why you didn't get this part. You didn't get you. Maybe you didn't get the part because you were too tall. You were too short. You were too light. You were too dark. You were too fat. Too you had skinny. big ears. You had big ears. You look like the producer's <laughs> ex. It happens. Yeah. yeah. It happens, man. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Um, it, it's it. There are amazing reasons why people don't get parts. But I've also found out that, listen, I've gone out for roles with casting directors five, six times. Come to find out. And then I book. Come to find out. Well, maybe that role wasn't right for me, but they liked what I did. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, they're going to keep bringing me in mm-hmm. because what they're doing at this point is they're trying to find the right role for me. Yeah, yeah. They're Rico, we like you. You're going to be on the show. We just got to find the right one. We like you as the casting mm-hmm. director. The producers like you. They know your work. We're just trying to find yeah. the right thing for you. Yeah, yeah. Stick with it. Don't give up. And trust me, you will be on the show. It happened with me for Criminal Minds. It happened with me for The Shield. It happened with me for Modern Family. Gone in a lot for those roles, you know, for for, for those casting directors, for, for those casting offices. Um, so just not giving up. Um, and you know what? If this is something you really, really want to do, then study, get your SAG card, do independent film, do work that showcases who you are mm-hmm. and what type of characters you see yourself playing. If you don't have any TV credits, then write something and shoot mm-hmm. it or audition for independent film, audition for student films, audition for stuff, get the footage, put it in a nice reel, show what you can do. And even though, and then try to get an agent or try to, yeah, try to get an agent. And that agent may turn you down based on the fact that they're seeing all this wonderful material, but you haven't been on Modern Family. You haven't been on NCIS. You haven't been on all, uh, what what network show have you been? Well, I haven't been on anything. Well, we can't do anything with you. But not everybody's going to be like that. You have to keep plugging and keep going until somebody eventually says, hey, kid, I like you. All right, come on. Let's 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 try to let's let's try to see what we can do here. And that's what happened with me and 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 one of my representations. I didn't really have anything to my name on tape, but she saw something in me and she's like, "I can get you in some doors. I can get you in some people's offices and get you on some people's radars." Obviously, it's up to you to do the rest. And she did and I did and zip zam zoom. Yeah. So, or it's it's what what party did you meet someone at? What charity event? And then there's that. And, and people say, "Whoa, yeah. wait a second! Why are you volunteering your time here?" Oh, I'm a casting director. And then they see there's this there's this deeper level. Yeah. And they're like, "Man, this guy's going out and helping the homeless or helping, yeah. you know, helping a photographer create photos like the, the trauma uh, project mm-hmm. that that the photographer had had there. That was you know the people with with the missing limbs and, yeah. and and those kind of things, which is an amazing project." And it's it's that so was so much yeah. yeah those those little times like that that's how I make putting in the work so, yeah right, yeah right. you get you know it's a human level and people connect and say all right I want to I want to find a role for you yeah so. you you show that you're out there and you're and you're in it and you're 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 putting in that time yeah. I mean it, sometimes it's that sometimes that in the per- perception or that can be more important than. The skill level. You have to have the skill level to back right. it up. But if you don't have that connection, you could be Denzel. 
and nobody yeah you may not get that opportunity what's well, like when when you go into an audition and maybe before you audition or after you audition the casting director might pull a fast one on you and be like so uh how's everything been well, the answer doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, it's been great, man. I, I, I went out for, uh, I did two days on yeah. Rosewood and then I, 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 um, I did a, uh, did a McDonald's voiceover commercial and mm-hmm. then I went to this party over here and I met such and such and I hung out. No, that doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be the answer. Maybe you just had a really chill weekend and you went to the beach over the weekend and you hung out or you went on a vacation to San Diego or, you know, maybe you just got back from from France or something like that. Yeah. Maybe you just got back. Maybe they just want to know who you are. Yeah. Sometimes that's the key. Right. And sometimes it's not all about, well, I just met this person. It's not always about name dropping or 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 what show have you done? Sometimes they just want to know who you are. Yeah. And it could be is something as simple as one sentence. Um so it's it's kind of like in a way it's kind of like a test. It's kind of yeah. like going back to when you're doing this great job and then they throw yeah. you this additional yeah. thing where they want you to make an adjustment. Yeah. It's like they they want to see the person who is yeah. you. Is you, this someone we can talk, we can hang out and be on set with yes. for a week? Yeah. Or is this Val Kilmer on like Island of Doctor <laughs> Moreau and like it's a disaster? Listen, I did I did a touring <laughs> theater production um, where we had to meet like at six sometimes seven in the morning. And we would be a part, we were like a traveling educational yeah. theater troupe uh-huh. and we would be part of the audition process. And so it would be like this whole weekend of auditions, a whole bunch of people come yeah. in and do all these things from acting to dancing to singing, what have you. So I remember one of my directors, Scott, he pulls, he pulls a bunch of us aside and he goes, all right, let's just cut to the chase. Who would you rather ride in the truck with at six o'clock yeah, in the morning? Yeah. You know, and and that says a lot yeah, because if this, you know, for the, the the obvious reasons, and it's just like, hey man, if this person is annoying the crap out of me at six in the morning, yeah, good lord, who knows? So yeah, definitely, yeah. So so it, it kind of ties into, um, it's about who you know. But it's also who knows you. Oh, yeah. And who likes you Uh and who may be thinking about you for something that they're doing. You never know. Yeah, definitely. You never know. Definitely. You never know. So, cool. yeah. yeah. So, Great it, advice. Great yeah, advice. just different, you know, and just, just overall, like we were saying, don't give up. Yeah. Um, never give up. Never surrender. Um, and, and just adapt to overcome. That's another good adapt one. to overcome. Have fun. Yeah. Have fun. And listen, know that downtime doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't doing anything right. You aren't doing anything wrong. You're just you. We all have downtime, but use that time also to create for yourself. Um, write, um, study, read a monologue, read a book or just chill. But always try to do something. I think it's important to do something on a daily basis towards your career, the career that you don't have currently because of this, that or the other reason. Or maybe you do have it and you're building it. But if you're sitting around, well, you're waiting for your agent or your manager to do only 10 or 15 percent of the work because that's the amount of commission that they're getting. And you still have to put in the other work, a la trying to meet the people who could be your next director or producer. I seeked out Tim Russ for mm-hmm. Star Trek and I got it. Yeah. And that's opened up a gazillion doors for me. Nice. 
I mean, it's amazing the things that 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 have come out of the fact that I made a phone call and I'm, you know, it's funny. I more or less told I I more or less did the um, the Whoopi Goldberg route. She called up Gene Roddenberry and she was like, hey, Star Trek Generation. I like it. I want in. And it's not as easy to do it that way. (laughs) But listen, man, if you don't try, if you don't try to do something, then you never know. If you don't think outside the box, then you never know. Why? Because there's 50 million people that look like me. There's 50 million people that look like you, her, him. And how do you stand out? What is the thing that's going to make that person or somebody remember you or stop and think, man, that person just kind of just, he just went out, went out and did it. Huh? Yeah. Let's see what that person's all about. And then, you know, you you go further. So, yeah. Yeah. One last question. What is that ultimate role that you visualize yourself having? Is there one? My ultimate role is answered in a two-parter where I would love it to be on the new Star Trek series. I would love it to be in the new Star Trek series. I can't stress enough how much I want to be a part of this new Star Trek series. That and or something within the sci-fi universe, which I'm already embedded in pretty nicely. Um, but I would like, I would, I would love to have something more solidified, um, in the mainstream universe of, of science fiction. Mm-hmm. But, but what role in Star Trek? I mean, what would any particular role in Star Trek or just, you'd be happy to be in the new Star Trek? I, I would be happy to be in the new Star Trek, but, but I always strive for the principal roles. Yeah, of course. I always go out for the roles or that like the engineer, where do you? Yeah. Or that very memorable guest star yeah. that, that people still yeah. remember, 20 years later, you know, you have, you have, uh, Star Trek icons who have been on one, maybe two episodes of something. And they are forever known as that person within that franchise. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you, you have that, right. I mean, and and let's take the sci-fi element out. Perfect Mm -hmm. example. Soup Nazi. Oh yeah. From Seinfeld. Yeah. Two episodes. Uh Uh-huh. But he's just, everybody knows a soup Nazi. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So um, it, 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 it's one of those things. Now, do I do I definitely just want that one iconic role that could potentially screw me for the rest of other roles? <laughs> That's in her. Yeah, I don't want that. Yeah. But um, I definitely want to do something. Um, I would love to be a part of the main cast. I would love to either do that or be a major reoccurring character that's very iconic to the franchise. Um, I would love to be taking the sci-fi elements out. I would love to be in a drama. I would love to be in, I, I still love drama. I still look at drama as like the big, the bigger picture of it all. But then I love sci-fi and I love soap. And there's a lot of good drama in sci-fi. So yeah. 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 And then I also love comedy. Yeah. You know, so there, I mean, there's, there, there's comedy sci-fi. So, yeah. I mean, so you just want to work. You want to, portray awesome really cool interesting characters yeah and i want to grow i want to grow into the type of characters where when you see me you're seeing you're seeing thick cut cuts of 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 meat in characters that i can portray as we grow in our career we get guest or we get say like co-star roles, which may be one or two lines, maybe three lines. You're in, you're out. 
sometimes depending on how it's edited, you may barely see that person. You may barely not. It's work. And I'm always grateful for the work and I never knock the work. But the thing about it is if in this business, you need to grow. And so you can play cop number two until you're 80 with the one or two or the three lines. Again, not knocking it because it's work, but how how many times do you want to be that cop, that security guard, you know, wearing this pretty much the same uniform? You want to grow. You want to get into that leading man or leading woman uh, phase. You want to have the more meteor roles that are going to really show how you get down. You can do that Why I don't know, you write your own material and produce it that way. There's always that. And that's great. But there's still the mainstream portion of this business that that we all moved out here to get into. And so while I can always work and I'm constantly working, I'm also constantly thriving to get more of those major guest stars, those reoccurrings, those series regulars. And that's what I'm always going to be striving for. And I, you know, just just like with Star Trek, I'm not going to give it up and I will turn down something that that I feel won't benefit me in the bigger picture. But I do it not to be conceited, not to be beside myself, not to be um, not to have my head too far in the clouds, which is nothing wrong with that. But because I know that there is more for me out there. And if I don't take the stand to really push that and to really make that happen for myself, then it may not happen. Yeah. So keep going, man. Visualize it and we'll <laughs> visualize it for you. I want to see you in Star Trek. Thank you. That'd Thank be you. amazing. It's well, like, we'll have to talk then too. I had that guy on my podcast and he's coming back. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will. Cool. I will most yeah. definitely. Thanks, man. I mean, it's just, that's what we work together. We all try to help each other. Yeah. And we, it's these, you know, sometimes it's just all the, the small increments that get us to where we want to go. So thank you so much for being here and taking some time out of your day to sit down and talk with me. And it's uh, it's been a pleasure to meet you. This trip has been amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be able to be a small part of, of your trip. And thanks so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Till next time. Yes, sir. All right. Mm-hmm.